deceptive manipulative. Is also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Hello everyone, this is the Eerie Americas. This is your host, Vicki Ayala. And I'm your other host, Christy Hall. What's going on? My in-laws had their 40th wedding anniversaries. That was awesome because 40 years in a marriage is like unheard of these days. It's awesome, great for them. But it was also super stressful because it's in the middle of this move and I get there and God bless the holes. I love you guys so much. It is always chaos around them because like they're not planners. And like I knew that marrying into this family, but it just kind of like all linked in my mind. Like, wow, this is why this is not working for the move. And this is why, because his mom planned this party for five years and she didn't think about getting a speaker or a large enough table for the kegs. So I <laughs> I have to remember Some that this is Some people's organizational a- skills right and it, and i really think it's hereditary but i also think because he's a man it's just how it is i'm not trying to be an ageist or sexist we're not a man or biased. We're not man haters i am not a man hater maybe all of you i'm sure there's some of you out there that are extremely i know plenty i know yeah. plenty of type a men but it's a rare occasion but i had a really great revenge story that i knew everyone would appreciate yes. so i'm gonna tell you so two years ago my husband and i get married and he has an aunt who is super loaded when i say super loaded she can sell upper east side property no problem like sell property. That's how much money she makes. She's been, I think she knows Bloomberg. I think she knows Giuliani. So that gives you an idea of how much money this woman has. Stupid. Russia stopped adopting in 2015, right? Like they they officially said they're no longer going to like let Americans adopt Russian children. She and her husband in their mid fifties were able to do what I call Russian American Idol. They got four Russians from orphanages and got to pluck them off like American Idol one by one until they got the one they wanted. So they adopted this 15 year old girl and great because she's beautiful. And a lot of women in Russia end up being like in the sex trade or like, I'm very great job. Yeah. Great job. But it also was super awkward knowing they had four orphans that they were kind of plucking off one by one. Most people that adopt know they don't have the option. They choose the child for for you. you. Mm -hmm. You don't get to choose. So that gives you kind of a context of how much money they have. So I didn't want to invite them to the wedding because there's multiple reasons. I don't have a problem with their money. I have a a problem with their personality. And I didn't want to invite them. And I let Charlie's mother know. She still made me invite them. So I sent the invite. Fine. My sister-in-law, meanwhile, had gotten married a few years prior to me and told me they didn't bring a 99 cent card. I'm not saying a check. They didn't bring a card. You can't come to a wedding empty-handed. They know that because they're loaded. There's no way they don't go to these fancy schmancy parties and not bring something. So I mean, you know Bloomberg. I'm sure you're sitting there bringing him. <laughs> you bought a vase fucking, from Tiffany, right? Like a, a $1,200 <laughs> vase from Tiffany. I know you got money. You're oh. going to someone's wedding regardless. You don't come empty-handed. They had to pay for stuff. So they came to my sister-in-law's wedding empty-handed. They didn't come to mine. They only sent the husband. So I had... Oh, they sent a representative. I said the wife... I had his aunt and her daughter uh, on the invite, and they didn't show up. And they told me they were coming until about a week prior, and then he gave Which me Which is something excuse. you really, really don't do to someone, especially if they don't have money. You know, most and of... And their family. Most it's of the time... It's not just that they didn't show people, up. People, PSA, and anything, if you have a wedding... People pay per person, per plate. Yeah. Do not say you're going to go and don't show up. I could have invited two other people that I really excluded. And so that was the part that really 
bothered me about the whole situation. So I kind of like, I pulled the Dwight route and I was like, she's shunned. Like she's no, 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 just straight up shunned. Like she is shunned. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to shun her and them because he showed up for literally 45 minutes as you saw at the yeah, wedding. I, I was at the wedding. I don't even remember who he was. So he was there for, <laughs> so. he watched the entrance, like the introductions as we walked in. And then he left after that because he had to get home to Lake George, New York. We're at this block party and they show up and I already said to myself, I told my husband, I told my family, I'm not affiliating myself with them anymore. Unless you haven't heard from them since the wedding, Of course not. Okay. Of course, of course not. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not true. They had their assistant send a Christmas card. So they have our address. They haven't heard from them. You heard from their but, assistant. And they have and our address. And they didn't give you they never a wedding gift, right? Nothing. Because he wasn't of even course, there long we enough. We didn't get a 99 cent. I'm broke I'm and not. I gave her <laughs> as yeah. much as I possibly could. You don't do that. She shows up, uh, I want to say maybe four hours late to the block party. Of course she does. They have to, you know, people like that have to make an entry. So they come up to Charlie and I, and she directs her attention to me. And she's like, I know it's been almost a year and some change. Really, I've been it, mar- married been almost, almost two, two years. years. So she's like, I know it's been a while. So here. And she hands me this like gift wrapped in newspaper. No joke. Newspaper. Jesus fucking Christ. What do I do? The whole table staring at me because of course we're eating. So I turned to her. I said, thank you so much. I got up from my chair and I left the present there. And just continue talking to the host. Shunned. So I literally said thank you, and that was the extent of my entire conversation with her. That's, you just have to think. You just have to be polite and walk away. But she knew the whole party. Something was wrong because she was ping ponging trying to get to me, and I just kept bouncing around because there was a hundred. Well, and luckily you people. had a lot of work to do anyway at this party. Of course, so. I was, of course, I'm the one that had to take the reins. So uh, I was busy. Like so, that worked out fine. But unfortunately, three days later was a memorial service for his grandmother's. Right. So you passing. had to deal with her eventually. So it was a shorter group of people. Ah, uh, you can't avoid her as Oh, <laughs> did I ever. I am a pro at avoidance. I can do the avoid dance. That's what I call it. I call it the avoid dance. So what I did was the funeral started at one o'clock. I meant to get there at like 1245-ish, but with traffic in New York City, I and it was in New Jersey, I was a little late. So the service started four minutes after I walked in. So I was able to kind of avoid everybody. I sat down. The rest of the time, I talked to the cousins that were about my age. I talked to a bunch of people they literally didn't come up to me. I think Good. they can sense my shunness. Like, they sensed it. And then her husband, at the end, as I was saying goodbye to them, because, of course, I was You're not one of the last not, people. Yeah. So I said, goodbye, nice to see you. And he goes, it was great to see you, although it was brief. And I went, yeah. Just like my wedding. And then I walked away. <laughs> Just like your And that was it. And, like, it sounds horrendous, but I'm going to say it. Now that the grandmother has passed away, who was, like, the matriarch of the family... I don't ever see myself seeing her ever again. So I'm like, I don't care. Did you open the gift? No, Charlie did. And it was one of those lame engagement gifts, which I won't shout out, but at least there was a check in there, but it was under $300. Listen, Christy's not the type of person that like fusses over money. I don't so care about money. So it's not like, oh my God, you I don't me. care about But money. it's like, you were two years late with your gift. You didn't even have the, that doesn't, I don't even think that covers the plates that you didn't, that you did. If you do something like that, you're supposed to pay for your plate at least because it's rude. You didn't even cover the plates that were paid for. I know how much I gave you. So I'm like, if I could afford to give you what I gave you, you as a rich bitch should give an a whole lot oh, fucking no, they're more. They're not rich. They're not rich. They're, they're wealthy. wealthy. Considering the wealthy. fact that you didn't even fucking show up. Like that check needed a couple of more zeros. I'm sorry. It needed at least another zero. <laughs> at least another zero. <laughs> I'm not asking for even that much, but like when my you mother, should... who is a teacher, gave me more and she showed up to my wedding and she cooked everyone. And breakfast, she helped. And she helped with yeah. everything. 
I'm just saying, like, don't be a cheap ass. That's that's the my first point. thing I would have done if I couldn't show up last minute has been like, Chrissy, I need to know how much it is per plate because I am at least covering my plate because it has happened. It happened when my mom got married a few years ago. A friend of mine was supposed to show up. She did it. And the first thing she asked me was like, oh, my God, I need to cover my plate. That's just common sense and what you do. Hmm. And you don't do it two years later. I'm going to get into something I read on Reddit that actually kind of creeped me out. So naturally, I'm going to read it. This is from the community True Scary Stories. And this is from user Cineroll. And it was actually pretty recent. It was only posted like 12 days ago. And the title is, Did This Thing Take My Mother's Place? What? Yep. When I was a child, I recall seeing something that now, looking back on it, is pretty weird and creepy. To give you some background, when I was little, I sometimes would wake up in the middle of the night with a horrible pain in my legs. Sometimes it was both legs, sometimes one or the other, but it was so bad it would make me cry. When I was young, I was told it's just growing pains, but I'm 22 now and still have it sometimes, and I don't think I'm growing anymore. No idea what it is. The one thing that would help is staying very still and taking a painkiller like Tylenol. The creepy incident I'm about to describe was a reoccurring thing in my childhood, but I specifically remember one night it happened when I had these growing pains. I woke up with the pain in my legs, trying not to move so I wouldn't agitate it. I was debating whether or not to suck it up and go across the hall to my parents' room when I saw something at the door. My bedroom door was always kept open and the light from the hallway was the only thing that dimly lit the room. The best way I can describe what I saw was like a silhouette. It was completely black with no distinguishable features or a face. A shadow person, I suppose, may be the more popular term for it. It was not smoky at all, though. It was solid. I did recognize the shape, however, as being my mother. It matched her silhouette exactly. The figure slowly walked across the room and sat at the end of my bed. I tried to speak to what I thought was really my mom, and I called out something like, Mom, can I get some medicine? I have growing pains. The figure looked at me and never said anything, just stared. I remember thinking for a second that it was odd that she didn't answer me, but I didn't feel afraid. It would sit there until I fell back asleep. The next day when I asked my mom why she didn't answer me last night, she insisted that she had no clue what I was talking about and that she never entered my room. Years later, I mentioned having experiences like this to my older sister who also shared a room with me when we were young. I was pretty surprised to hear that she had very similar occurrences with this shadow figure that never spoke that she also identified as my mother. Our mom denies ever entering the room when she was asked about it as well. It doesn't happen to us anymore. I guess we sort of grew out of it or something. But thinking back, it's pretty weird. And no idea how that didn't scare the shit out of me as a kid. Scares the shit out of me now. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yep, yep. Yeah. So I thought I would creep you guys out right before Christy's yeah. episode on creepy shit. This is creepy shit episode. So I know at this point it is the end of the summer. It is a brand new fall season, which also means a lot of kids are starting school, including colleges. So I thought what would be fun, maybe looking into a couple college backgrounds, histories, and then I came across some hauntings. And so also let's scare this shit out of college students. Yep. If you guys just unpacked and you're listening in your dorm right now, then see if maybe your college (laughs) is on the list. We all know and low-key love those cheesy college movies. You know, beautiful campus, beautiful people, open to all these new cool ideas, shots of parties and whatever college dance song is hot at the time of the film, serving as like a backdrop for the experience. We love them. I'm even amused by those cheesy college horror films. You (laughs) know, beautiful campus, beautiful people, open to new ideas, (laughs) cool shots of parties, whatever college dance songs hot at the time of filming, serving as the backdrop experience, but then bam! Some poor soul dies in some cryptic fashion, <laughs> and you're left deciding based on a plot whether it's a haunting or a killer film. You just, you just described every <laughs> horror movie ever written. 
I told you, I you watched do a, a lot of films. You should 10 second recap thing, because that is amazing. <laughs> I watch a lot of films. It's sad. It's pathetic. But I do love them. They're cheesy as fuck, but I love them. The haunting ones, unless done well, are typically met with a degree of humor. As I said, they're cheesy. But across the U.S. and around the world, all types of locations experience either reported or recorded some type of paranormal phenomenon. So why isn't it possible a college or college campus couldn't be? Lands and buildings are used for multiple uses over time. So who's to say that just because a couple of young adults move in means that the history isn't imprinted there? Here are a few stories told from one generation to the next, along with some personal accounts of college hauntings. Not cheesy ones. So this is Smith College. Smith College is a private women's liberal college arts in Northampton, Massachusetts, although it is open to men. It is a member of the Seven Sisters, which is a name given to seven highly selective and prestigious liberal arts colleges in the Northeastern United States that are historically women's colleges. Aside from the school's reputation for a great education, there is a reputation that the school is in fact haunted. It is so widely accepted that if you go to their school website, they have a link with stories actually on the page titled Smithpedia. It's so funny because the minute you just said that, I'm like, what, is it written on their pamphlet? (laughs) No, it's it's written on their website. So there are a ton of buildings with reported sightings and stories attached to them. Since it seems all colleges around the world have a ghost or two, I only selected a few stories I found in that website. And so this is directly from the website. And this one is about the building they call the Talbot House. As the president of Talbot House reports, Talbot House has two ghosts. The first is a mysterious woman in white who runs across the porch late at night. She is also seen standing under the streetlights in front of the house, as well as the light in the parking lot between Talbot and Lamont. She is always dressed in a white dress, almost like a wedding gown. She has long brown hair and is of average height. When she runs across the porch, she jumps over the rails and disappears. When seen under the streetlights and in the parking lot, the woman stares off vacantly until she acknowledges your presence. Then she disappears. The better known ghost in Talbot House is Thomas. Thomas was a little boy who was killed when his quote unquote friends, when the house was used by the Bessie Cap'n School. Because Thomas was chubby and not as quick as the other boys, he was teased and mistreated by his peers, so he was bullied. One winter, the boys were playing a game of hide-and-seek, and they asked Thomas to play. He was overjoyed by the invitation since the boys were generally not nice to him, and he joined in the game. Unfortunately for Thomas, the boys' invitations were just another cruel joke. When the game started, two of the boys led Thomas up to the attic. They told him to go in first, and they would come in behind him. Instead, they slammed the door shut as soon as he went up, was up the stairs and ran away. A few days later, Thomas was reported missing. When the teachers came to the attic, they found Thomas, who had died of dehydration. Thomas still lives in Talbot House. Before the attic was locked, Thomas would frequent the fourth floor bathroom. He would turn on the faucets, flush toilets, and was sometimes seen washing his hands. One family weekend, a mother had an entire conversation with Thomas. As she walked out of the bathroom, she turned back to say goodbye to him. He had disappeared. Since the attic has been locked, Talbotters residing on the fourth floor can hear footsteps and running through the ceiling. Sometimes there are faint knocking sounds at the attic door. Kids are shitty. This is why why I'm so glad I don't want them because I swear to God, if my kid (laughs) was one of those fucking bullies, I locked them up in the attic, I would have locked them up there for like two days. And I had a throwback moment because like talking about film, thinking about it, it reminded me of the scene in The Sixth Sense. When they lock him in the little thing thing. and he gets scratched by the ghost. Yeah, and kids are little shits. They yeah. really are. They don't have a concept of the fact that that could literally kill somebody. They don't understand that. Right. Like, they just locked them up there and left them up there because they thought it was fucking hilarious. And it's like, hi, you need to eat and drink to survive. Yep. It's Little terrible. Shit. But let's go to the next school, which is actually a, a local one of ours. New York University. Oh, yes. NYU is for sure. As teens growing up in NYC, 
We all knew NYU's reputation, and I think anyone even ever looking into school knows NYU, but New York University is a private research university based in New York City. Founded in 1831, NYU's historical campus is in Greenwich Village, Lower Manhattan. And my friends and I knew it as the only rich girls go to college there. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it is hella expensive. It's the rich people (laughs) or all the celebrities that don't go to like Yale or Mm -hmm. like a a college in California, they go to NYU because that's just what happened. But aside from the prestige of the institution and literally being in the middle of the city madness, NYU has a few ghosts. The most famous one has been in Brittany Hall, Some online contend that it may be the most haunted dorm in America. Oh, shit. The NYU dorm legend has it that the residence is haunted by a young girl named Molly who fell down the elevator shaft when the building was used as a hotel in 1929. Spooky, yes, but residence hall resource managers say you'll be fine if you obey this rule. Quote, you have to be playful with Molly, not afraid. Say, don't play with me, Molly, and you'll be fine. The building. Is that it? That's all. That's all. Just tell her to leave you alone. The building was investigated in 2005 by the paranormal NYC crew, and they diagnosed the building with a case of residual haunting, which could explain the mysterious force that knocks Buddha statues off student shelves. Oh, shit. I was even able to find a story from somebody directly online via nyulocal.com. Oh, okay. So this is my encounter with the Brittany Hall ghost by Eremita Diop, and this was posted in 2017, so pretty recent. I was fairly excited to be dorming in Brittany Hall my freshman year, and inevitably, after just the first week of moving in, I had heard about the ghost of Brittany Hall. The little story goes that the little girl Molly died in the building when she fell down one of the elevator chutes back when Brittany was under construction as a hotel. So around Halloween my freshman year, people on my floor became especially taken with the legend of Molly, blaming randomly fallen objects on the little girl playing in their room, or saying a Buddha statue being shifted on a desk was because Molly wanted attention, not because their roommate happened to bump into it. I thought the stories were cute. I'm sure you do. One particular night, I remember having a few issues falling asleep. Then as I drifted off, there was a weighty pressure on my chest. I was nervous to open my eyes for some reason. I didn't think someone was there, but there was a weight as if someone was leaning over me. Maybe one of my roommates had come home and was trying to wake me. Maybe I hadn't put my laptop away and now it was pressing against me and causing this pressure. But while trying to rationalize what was happening, the nervous anxiety grew into complete fear and panic. My body began to feel heavier and none of my limbs would move, even though I was, I willed myself to pop up from the bed and just see what was causing this pressure. I stayed like that for some time, mentally screaming at my body to listen to me. And finally, I managed to open my eyes. But there she was, hovering right above my bed, staring at me her hair hanging down in blonde tendrils that looked dark in my unlit room. I think she giggled, but then quickly darted into my closet. I could finally move without her over me. I hadn't realized the whole time I was holding my breath and I tried to breathe deep enough to calm the residual panic of the situation. Out of the corner of my eye, I could still see a figure in my closet, but I ignored it, pulled the covers over my head and forced my eyes shut until morning. Naturally, I didn't get any sleep that night. On one hand, I don't believe in ghosts, but on the other, I do believe in the power of someone to be scared and half asleep that the impossible seems real. So enjoy the spooky season. And if you see Molly, ask her what she has against me having a good night's rest. Brittany Hall is located on 55th East 10th Street between Broadway University Place in the East Village. Cute. Yeah. That's why she did that. Cute story. Cute. (laughs) So the next college is Ohio University. Oh, cool. Ohio University is one of the most haunted campuses and places in the United States, according to legend. Built only one year after Ohio established statehood, Ohio University's walls have witnessed plenty of tragedy. 
The location itself checks off nearly every horror movie cliche. Oh, shit. First of all, the site is a former insane asylum. Of course it is, because that's literally, like, begging, begging for it to be haunted. (laughs) So the school was previously the Athens Lunatic Asylum, nicknamed The Ridges by Ohio U, and it was a mental hospital that ran through Athens, Ohio, from 1874 until 1993. 93? I was already alive. We were both alive. Yeah, a long time alive. And that's over 100 years of that shit. Holy crap. The former hospital is best known as the site of the notorious lobotomy procedures. <gasps> really? That's where that happened. Mm-hmm. According to Wiki, quote, 1,930 people buried at th- the three cemeteries located at the ridges. Of those, 700 women and 959 men lay under the headstones marked only with a number. Wow. There is even a per- stain permeated in the attic of the school to this day. Oh, my God. A white, chalky image of a torso, head, back, and the beginnings of arms and legs left by a woman named Margaret Schilling, who died mysteriously in the attic after being locked in the room by herself. Nope. Patients at that point could roam freely, but for some reason she was locked in, and her, like, imprint has been left there. We're going to this college, why? Like, we can go to literally, I'm sure there's another college in Ohio. Aside from that creepy-ass fact. Okay. The school was built on top of a Native American no, burial no, ground. No, you don't understand how. Right before you said that, I'm like, she's either going to tell me it was an insane asylum or it's buried on an Indian burial. I swear it was going to be a burial ground. I said it's a horror cliche. It's literally like the whole gamut so here. you have an insane asylum on top of a Native American burial ground. Yep. Why? And you like, turned it into a school. <laughs> so like, did people literally say, hey, what is the creepiest fucking place that I can put this university. Well, I have this place that was an insane asylum and it's on top of a bunch of dead people. <laughs> so yeah, naturally, let's turn that into a place of higher learning. Why? Nowhere else in Ohio. You could have put it anywhere else. There wasn't like some abandoned parking lot. Well, you got to remember like some dirt. But you have to remember people don't believe in the paranormal. They're, to them it's just the building. It's That's just cute. the site. It's just the land. It's cute. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the state of Ohio has more than 70 Native American mounds, burial sites of the Adena and Hopewell tribes, the mound builders who inhabited central and southern Ohio from roughly 3000 BCE until the 16th century. So Ohio really, probably can't even help. Exactly. Ohio is covered in Native American history. So like it kind of is Native American territory. So it, no matter where it would be, you kind of would. would have but the fact that it's a burial ground is what creeps me out. Like it's not just. Right. You could have just put it on land. Right. Like... And then there's one more thing I got to oh, tell no. you. What? The school is located in the middle of a pentagram of cemeteries. Like a literal pentagram. A literal pentagram. So Wilson. Did someone do that on purpose when doing these? Well, things? someone did this on purpose. I don't know. Wilson Hall is a residence hall on what is located on the west screen. Wilson Hall sits in the middle of the cemetery pentagram. The pentagram is an ancient occult symbol of power and magic. For those who might not know, it Wilson's located directly in the center and is the home to many spirits. This puts them in the middle of the ancient Native American grounds numerically, and because of the mark graves of the ridges, aka the Athens lunatic system, right. it literally turns into a pentagram. If you like, look it up. You can see that all the grounds are around the school pentagram style. Nope. Yep. So the trifecta right there. So you have a Saint Asylum, Native Americans, and then some kind of weird occult symbol that. Typically, doesn't bring a lot of good luck. All we need is someone to just go over there with the Ouija board and just unlock this whole shit. But speaking of Wilson Hall, 
If you mention Wilson Hall, specifically room 428 in Ohio University to any alumni or current resident of Wilson Hall Dormitory, you are guaranteed a ghost story. Guaranteed. According to legend, it all started in the 1970s when a student lost their life. Accounts differ when it came to the gender of the student, but sources agree on the unexpected or unusual nature of the death. But the story from what I've read has mostly been this. A woman attending the university suddenly started shouting in a strange language and acting strangely. So regular student, out of nowhere, just started speaking in tongues. She fell to her death and reportedly haunted the school so intensely people grew fearful. Sometime after this, a female student lived in the dorm where the woman took her life. Those who knew the woman claimed that she studied the occult. Huh. She allegedly used the energy of the room to speak to the dead. It is said that she grew on the power of the room one night. She wanted to astral project or speak with the dead, but somehow this resulted in her violent and bloody death. They don't know how she died. They just know that something happened in that room and she died violently. She studied the occult. Then she started speaking in a weird language, and then she just fell to her death. Some say, well, no. So after the woman had died, this girl who oh, happened so to she study the occult used the energy, used the energy from, her from she that girl, it so badly. right, from that girl to try to speak and to the dead. And they don't know she died. And so some say that she slit her wrists. However, this is a widely circulated claim. So we don't really know how. They just know she died in this she really violent manner, trying to like astral project or speak to somebody. Students since have heard strange sounds hear footsteps, see objects moving on their own. Since then, OU has sealed and blocked off that room and no one can stay there. Something I personally have never heard of happening as a room in a school is a serious loss of money. I guess they see it more as a liability, which makes me wonder how real this must be. Because It has to be real because you don't just shut down a room. A whole room on a dorm. Right. That's thousands of dollars you can get from a student or their parents. You know what I mean? So like, you're and that, so like, if scared. people don't believe in this stuff, like you said, so, like, for them, it has to have been bad for them to believe in it so much that they're so scared that they... Or they had so many life. students that refused to stay right. in that room. Like, imagine, like, every student you put in that room just refuses to stay there or something Because they experienced something weird. Because how right. the hell are you going to explain another mysterious death? Yeah, so I have to say the, the one that creeped me out the most was Ohio University. So kudos to you kids that are willing to go there because I would be too scared. I wouldn't even want to be on that floor. I know we the have... The campus is scary. Just yeah. being in that campus would freak me out. So, like, I know we have listeners in Ohio. So if any of you attended there or know someone that attended or wanna there... Or want to go there? Or want to go there, we would love to hear some stuff. So yeah. email us because that that's... It was already creepy but to have a room closed down like it's like what things didn't you tell us that happened in that room because I'm sure something else happened most schools are privately funded so of course they can keep their stuff under wraps so right. I just want to know what the hell have you heard that led to them closing down that damn room so I have a couple more Drew University and that's in New Jersey founded in 1867 Drew University began as one of the oldest Methodist seminaries in the nation and is regularly ranked as one of the top liberal colleges in the U.S., as well as the most beautiful colleges in the fall. It is in Madison, Jersey, New Jersey, and is, has been nicknamed the University of in the Forest because of its wooded 186-acre campus. And, like, I know we say New Jersey's weird and stuff, but there are really beautiful parts. There are parts. really beautiful parts of New Jersey. And, like, I know this area. It is very nice. So I'm sure it's a great campus right. to, like, go over. Like they said, the fall and the winter must be, like, incredible around there. But... That's not what's important about Drew, at least not for our storytelling purposes today. What really matters is that Drew is teeming with ghosts, building a reputation as one of the most haunted colleges in America, and probably taking that reputation and letting it be known far and wide. Like, they're like, oh yeah, we're They own it. They're cool about it. At least they own it. 
Drew's history goes back to 1832 when Southern aristocrat William Gibbons built the estate he called the Forest for his family's northern summer home. After his heirs sold the estate to college founder Daniel Drew, in 1867, most likely due to post-Civil War financial crisis, Drew University's creepy occurrences began. The most famous ghost is that of Drew's wife, Roxana Mead Drew, who walks the halls of Mead Hall, the building named in her honor. Roxana has been frequently spotted and heard by maintenance workers and security guards who keep a respectful distance. Hell yeah. I would keep a respectful distance too. i keep such a respectful distance, I wouldn't work there. Right? Like at all. But Mrs. Drew is by no means the only spectral resident of the college. The chapel is also host to an organ-playing ghost who likes to rock the house with church tunes in the middle of the night, while a melancholy, dark-haired woman appears in the windows of Hoyt Bone Hall, sometimes stealing items from students' dorms. (laughs) Another ghost, nicknamed Reggie, wrecks havoc on productions at the Kirby Shakespeare Theater, from minor annoyances to literally setting an actress's costume on fire during a show. Holy shit. And don't forget the official Houdini seance, which selected Drew for its 82nd attempt to raise the magician's spirit in 08. It might have attracted the famous skeptic's attention, but maybe Harry found Drew just a little too crowded to come through. So I found one in my new home state of Colorado, and it's University of Northern Colorado. Unexplained odors, doors slamming out of nowhere, suspicious shadows... These are all regular occurrences at University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, a school which has been ranked as one of the most haunted campuses in the country. The hauntings are so frequent, the university has a whole webpage dedicated to telling students and faculty about the ghosts and what kinds of things they can expect. <laughs> According to the school site, the stories of ghosts on campus, which have been passed on for years, so I got this off the website, while University of Northern Colorado claims that, quote, you can get a ghost story for almost every building, The most famous ghost on campus is the one named Edith. She is known for haunting two dorms, Weeb King and Wilson, and her legend is interesting and shrouded in mystery. They say that Edith was a shy, awkward resident assistant who became the butt of many jokes at the dorm. One April Fool's Day, the students removed all her furniture from her room. It was devastating for Edith. For some reason, no one knows, she would go into the attic and play with marbles, dropping and rolling them across the floor. On spring break that year, when all the students were gone, Edith became more depressed and she went to the attic and hung herself. After some research, a reporter was able to find that Weeb King Hall was named after Edith. The real story is Edith Gale Webking was a retired faculty member, associate dean of women and director of student housing who died in 1968. She never lived in Webking or Wilson Hall and was never an RA there. So this is just kind of like the legend. They kind right. of turned her into this sad, lonely, like, college students it's crazy you know how like far this story will go because that whole april fool's joke i was like who fucking does that today no matter what the real situation is they still they still name She's her still Edith. There. Yeah. but today students say they not only experience things like channels on their tv changing randomly or furniture moving when they're asleep but they can also hear sounds of something in the ceiling explained as edith rolls marbles across the floor something she used to apparently do a lot when alive so for some reason, this Edith and Marvel thing is like the, the thing. Link. That's like the actual. So, she really did. Yeah. Do that. So there's different stories of who this Edith was, but apparently there is someone that enjoyed going to the attic and yeah, rolling. So no marbles. matter what the true story is, Edith like rolling marbles in the attic. Okay. Yeah. Other residents in these dorms have reported feeling a strange presence and seeing suspicious shadows in their rooms. So it's not just left to the attic. Right. 
A student of Wibking was quoted saying, I can feel a presence there sometimes. Something you can't see, but you can feel is there. Aside from Edith, I found this ghost too hilarious not to bring up. I know there's no such thing as a hilarious ghost until this be. moment. Stony Ghosty <laughs> is another spirit with a very distinct smell that still lingers on campus. The rumor is that he is a former student who died from drugs and is said to now hunt Turner Hall leaving the smell of burnt marijuana wherever he well, goes. you're going to leave a smell. Director of House Operations also has some spooky stories about the storm, claiming that he's been alone in the building and heard door slam with no explanation as to why, and he doesn't believe in ghosts. Of course, there would only be a high ghost in Colorado. Like, <laughs> only in Colorado would there be a stoner ghost. Like, apparently. And can you imagine being in that dorm room and they, like, accuse you of smoking and you're like, it's not me. I mean, it's technically legal now, so... Nothing they can do about it. Like, imagine somebody's like, hey, can you, like, not smoke right now? And you're like, it's not me. <laughs> thought high. it was you. Oh. The ghost is high. It's got to be stony ghosty. Hey, if you're going to be a type of ghost, you might as well Hey, that's a high. perfect excuse. As if, Like, if your RA, not, like, accuses you, no smoking rule, and you get a knock on your door and it's RA, you could just be like, it wasn't me, it was stony, stony ghosty. ghosty. There you go, guys. For anyone attending University of Northern Colorado, there's your excuse right there. Just saying. This is also a university of Northern Colorado. Fraser Hall, named after UNC President George Fraser, also experienced ghostly activity on a regular basis, all the way from the basement where sewing machines have been said to just turn on and start sewing by themselves, to the rest of the building where strange noises and cold drops in temperature occur. The ghosts in this building are reported to be friendly, mostly. I know it seems like these things just happen in America, but there were several college hauntings reported throughout my favorite cousin's country of Canada. The coolest detailed one is University of Toronto. So U of T, according to some, may be Canada's most haunted college. The story goes that two of the stonemasons that worked on the construction of University College, Ivan Reznikov and Paul Diablos, that's right, Diablos, Diablos, got into a murderous fight over a woman, which ended with Diablos stabbing Reznikov and then hiding his body somewhere on site. Two years later, much of University College burnt in the Great Fire, but workers digging through the rubble discovered something strange. Inside a ventilation shaft, a skeleton wearing a belt with a buckled stamp with the stoneman's emblem. It is said that the ghost of Resnikov still roams the UC quad at night. Another part of U of T that seems to be haunted is the Hart House. Working late one winter night, Hart House theater manager Paul Templin decided to sleep in his office and asked the security guards not to wake him. Sometime during the night, the door swung open and hit his cot. The door was glass pane, so he could see there was someone standing behind it. The room was filling with smoke, the result of an electrical fire, so Templin quickly left and gathered with Hart's house overnight staff on the outside sidewalk. He asked if anyone had been in the office. No one had. Templin credits the ghostly apparition for saving his life. Holy shit, so there's some good things that happen with ghosts. Definitely. Another noted haunting is the Christie Mansion. No, it's not spelled like my name, so don't associate it. It's C-H, <laughs> ends in I-E. Completely different than Completely how Completely different spell spelling. The large house at the northeast corner of Wellesley Street and Queen Park Circle that belongs to Regis College is said to have been home to a man who trapped a woman in a windowless room there. Oh my god. The mansion's owner, Robert Christie, was a rich businessman who kept his mistress hidden in a secret chamber behind his library the infamous room 29 in Christie Mansion. She was not permitted to leave the room. Servants even came to give her meals, and she basically waited around for her lover to use her and then be left alone again. So, like, 
really fucking sad situation. Like, yeah, that's terrible. Imagine you being someone's boy, basically, and being not even like his slave, like a love slave, literally. You just don't get to interact with anyone. You're stuck in this room all day. And, and being in a windowless room, I have to say, is one of the most depressing things ever. Like, even if it's a bad view, I need to see outside. Like, my job's view out the window is fucking terrible. But I need to see outside. I just need to know that there's an outside. I can't imagine sitting, like, being somewhere and having no view of outside. Or no human interaction aside from servants. From someone giving you a meal and whenever he felt like Felt like showing up, yeah. Eventually, the woman went mad from the solitude and hung herself from the rafters with her bedsheets circa 1870. Rumors persist that a woman entering the room alone late at night will find that doors suddenly swing shut behind her and refuse to open. I hope she haunted the shit out of him, too. To escape, the woman must pound on the heavy door until a rescuer is able to easily open it from the other side, and the door mysteriously continues locking here and there. Is Robert Christie still holding his lover captive even now? So for all you freshmen who may have started their first semester this year, I say congratulations. Aside from picking your major in classes, deciding to join theater or the Greek chapters, and getting familiar with your new environment, I would say find out what school haunts may keep you up at night, and not in a good way. Makes me kind of happy I didn't go to college. My campus was a nice campus, but it's still very much a city. You can tell it was built with the intention of being a neighborhood, and then they just like took this top of the hill and just like made a school on top of it. So it's not like these other campuses where there's like nothing else surrounding you and you're just like, yeah, like I'm in school now, but there's plenty of stuff around. And yeah, you're like ensconced in just like this entire, yeah. this build out of what your life will look like for the next four years. I didn't experience that myself personally either, but it's interesting that other people do. And then, very interesting. What I the find interesting is that most of them are pretty open about it and put it on their website. So oh yeah. So it's yeah. not like it's got to be well known enough for you to put it on your damn website, but it's like people know it, and I don't know if it's people that don't believe it or people that are so fascinated by it that they that's like a reason that they go there. Mm-hmm. I personally. Growing up in a house that was touched, I would try to avoid a haunted college campus. Yeah, that's just me personally as well. Just personally, like it's not for me. Yeah. But sure, if you go to like Ohio State, I want to know why. Ohio University. Ohio University. I want to know why. They've got to have some special program. I mean, it's also a lot of people go to the schools because it's like they're, it's like legend you know like your parents went, right, your like grandparents went. went yeah some people really do have huge state pride so they want to go to ohio state or ohio university like you want to have your name your state name in your university right, in your sometimes it's like a thing you know it's cool i get it if you guys have any more recent stories we'd love to hear them i would do it i would one love entirely, to hear so. any stories from anybody about their college campuses. <laughs> and i hope that uh if you're in search of it this maybe helped you make your decision <laughs> or if it didn't help you make your decision, but who knows. But now that I'm nice and creeped out, thanks, Christine. You're welcome. I'm going to get into our Who Does That segment. Yay. Makes you all feel better. Yay. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who, who does, does that? that? So this is from our favorite HuffPost, and it is not from Florida. Woo. Also in honor it's been months. of moving. It's, it's been months. It's it's from Colorado. Yay. So I can hear what dumbass things they do up there. Yay. Oh, this one is nice and dumb. So here's the headline. Driver tries to avoid ticket by using red sports drink as taillight. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty genius. That's pretty genius. Actually, you know the funny thing? It literally says right here, police in Longmont, Colorado say they appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I literally, I swear, I told Charlie, like, I want to check that town out because, like, there's a ton of open space. And I'm like, I would love to just buy land. So that's so funny. But yeah, let well, me hear well, what these cops do out here. Like, they said that they appreciated the driver's ingenuity, but it was not a personal solution. Which, by the way, I'm going to show Christy what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I 
<laughs> okay, wait, I'll describe it for people that might not actually look this up. So he has put on like, it looks like a Gatorade bottle, but he took off the label and then he taped it to where the headlight should be. So it's like duct tape into the light. It's like a red Gatorade it's a bottle. red Gatorade bottle we'll duct tape into the, the website, light. We'll put it up on the website, but like that description's perfect. Yeah. Literally a red Gatorade bottle duct tape. <laughs> it says Colorado police say a driver tried to replace a broken taillight with a red sports drink. Denver news station KMGH TV reported that Longmont police stopped the driver Monday who placed a red colored bottle drink where his car's rear light should be. Authorities say the driver was on his way to get the taillight fixed when officers stopped him in Longmont, 38 miles north of Denver. Officials say officers didn't ticket the driver who had been repairing his car later that day. Police say taillights prevent crashes, and while we appreciate the ingenuity of this taillight, this is not a permanent solution. Authorities say vehicles must have a red taillight that can be seen at least 100 feet away during the day. So it's really not so much the red Gatorade bottle thing. It's like, can't see it from 100 100 feet away. Hey, you gotta appreciate the creativity and the fact that he would rather have a sports drink in his taillight than go with no taillight. Hey, you know, I have to agree with you that I give him points for creativity and for tr trying to do it on the cheap side because that taillight shit is expensive. You know, I'm going through the crap with my car right now. It, it's costly. It gets costly very quick. So I can respect the hustle, my friend. I really can. And there are worse. Get a ticket. And there are worse things than that could have come out of Colorado. So that kind of gives right, me some like respect. This, uh, with all the things happening in the news, <laughs> it could have been it worse. It could have been so much worse. Yeah. At least you weren't like texting while watching Saved by the Bell or it's something. That's true. Yeah. And he was on his way to get it fixed. So like, I, again, he was just trying not to break the law. Because really, if it had been me, I would be like, dude, I'm on my way to fix it. Leave me the fuck alone. It's busted. And that's why I'm getting it fixed. Because it's fucking busted. And a lot of cops will tell you, oh, I'll write you a ticket. And then if you get it fixed today, take right. it to court. Take and it to court. It'll be. But I'm glad they didn't make him go through that process. That's well, pretty cool. I thought cool. too. But it's just like, this dude was so on the right side of the law that even driving to get it fixed, he tried to find a solution. <laughs> and I personally appreciate it. Spect. I wouldn't do that shit so much. I'm going to hand you the you. cup of spect. That's your new hometown. Yes, it is. But I hope you guys enjoyed our episode. Please feel free to check us out on social media. Email us at the uh, eerieamericas at gmail.com. Leave us a review, comments on Instagram, DM us, whatever you want. We're Twitter, you know, available. all that stuff. But most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.